there are things that I can change or things I can't change. I focus on the ones that I can and the things I can control. I can control what food I put in my mouth. And then and from there, that might lead me to be able to control that I can run a little faster. I've been working out hardcore for the past few months. I bought a Peloton bike. That bike has changed my life because I can work out at four in the morning now. Because I've worked out, that started that train of my day. Again, being able to do that stuff first and foremost um, is key. What can you do first thing that starts these sort of processes that goes throughout your entire day and that keeps you on that train? Welcome to Evolve Leadership, the arena where high achieving leaders are challenged to redefine their limits. My name is Angus Nelson. I grew up in the United States and I now live in Lisbon, Portugal. I'm an executive coach and I've spent my career advising and training leaders from startups to Fortune 500 companies. And here's what I've learned. An old ineffective leadership framework will always keep you on a hamster wheel consumed with work-life balance, burnout, and stress. Here on the show, each week we'll help you rethink the path to achievement. We'll help you discover new principles, new philosophies to the modern leader. Look, the world is relentlessly changing, demanding a new era of leaders. It's time to redefine your limits. So enter the arena, my friend. It's time to evolve. Welcome to the Evolve Leadership Show. My name is Tim McLagan. I'm the senior coach here at Evolve. And Angus, I am excited about your conversation with Peter Shankman today because he is somebody who battles or battles. He utilizes ADHD as his superpower. And he wrote a book about how to take those same mechanisms that he uses to get hyper-focused and hyper-productive and allow it to impact anyone. Yeah. And so he... Uh, he wrote this book called Faster Than Normal, and it really leverages the really the special gift of having ADHD. Yeah. I don't have ADHD, but I do have ADD, uh, um, so I can relate. Uh, and it's so interesting because I didn't know this. I was never diagnosed until I was an adult. I you know figured out I have all these coping mechanisms that help me you know navigate some of the stuff. And then as he was speaking you know, during this interview, it gives a greater insight into kind of like how I saw myself. Yeah. And if you're listening and you struggle with these kind of same elements of ADD or ADHD, it's inspiring because you yeah. realize you're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. You just have a superpower. And what an incredible frame. Yeah. Um, I would and say that for my wife, for her, when she discovered I had some of these elements, the level of grace she has for me is significantly greater. <laughs> she just get mad at me, like, "Why could you remember these things?" Da, 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 da. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, yeah. I don't know." Yeah. And if you're not familiar with uh, Peter Shankman, uh, he's a top keynote speaker in the world of marketing and social media. He was actually the founder of Haro, H-A-R-O, which is help a reporter out which I remember years ago actually using for me to do my own PR, my public relations, to get onto podcasts and things of that nature. And he also wrote this book, as we mentioned, Faster Than Normal. He's got some significant background and past working with corporate and enterprise. And obviously, he's a speaker that's uh, on all sorts of shows. And today, he gets to join us. 
And Angus, as I was listening to this interview, now I'm not somebody who is uh, who has wrestled with that, had that in, in my life, and yet his productivity tips were gold. I mean, just being able to get really focused and being able to get a ton done in a short amount of time is really powerful. I can't wait for our listeners to hear this conversation with Peter Shankman. Let's dive in right now. Well, hey, Peter, how are you doing today? I am awesome. Good to be here, Angus. Always good to see you. Yeah, and good to see you too. I'm really excited to talk to you about this book. Uh, last time you were on the show, we were talking about zombies, and today we're talking about ADHD. I like to keep it interesting. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, from metaphor to um, all it's for, I don't know if that even makes any <laughs> sense, but you know, it's who you are, and, and I love it. And uh, as I was diving into your book, um, why don't we just... Uh, start right in the middle of it. Um, because the one thing that really jumped out to me was when you're talking about triggers mm -hmm. and this whole concept of this book that we're talking about called faster than normal turbocharge your focus, productivity, and success with the secrets of an ADHD brain. Talk about triggers. Triggers essentially when you, when you're ADHD, you, you don't do moderation. All right, I have I have two speeds in my life, Angus. I have namaste and I'll cut a bitch, and that's it. I only have two speeds, and so the problem with that is that, and it's great for a lot of reasons, but one of the downsides of that is that you know you don't really have the ability to moderate. You don't have the ability to take things easy as they were. Um, you know those people who uh, they get hungry and they decide they want to order a pizza for dinner and they. Order the pizza and it arrives 45 minutes later and they have a couple of slices and they put the rest in the fridge uh, for the next day. Mm -hmm. so that's called leftover pizza. That's not a thing in my world. That's not a thing for most people with ADHD. Leftover pizza does not exist. If I order a pizza, I eat the pizza. Triggers are things that can set you off at the speed of faster than normal. A trigger is essentially hitting a pothole when you're doing 100 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Right. And so your goal <clears throat> is constantly be looking for scanning for triggers and figuring out ways to avoid them. If you imagine, you know, for me, a trigger was always alcohol, um, not because I was some crazy drunk or did stupid things or whatever, but because I can't have one drink, mm -hmm. you know, and it didn't I never did anything stupid. I never like I didn't drive drunk. I, never, I did. That wasn't that wasn't what I was about. For me, it was about I'd have several drinks. Well, the next day I'd wake up, I wouldn't be hungover, but I wouldn't feel that great. So I wouldn't go to the gym. Well, if I don't go to the gym every day, first thing in the morning, I don't get my endorphins. I don't get my serotonin and my dopamine, which allows me to work to my best. Okay, so now I don't have that. So now, well, all right, I didn't go to the gym. You know what? The holiday shot. I might as well eat some crap food. So now I've ordered three grilled cheese tomato and bacon sandwiches. I've eaten those 1,800 calories by 9 a.m. Well, screw it. It's lunchtime. I mean, I already blew it with the, with the bacon and cheese. I may as well have some pizza now. Now it's 4 p.m. Us, the day's shot. Let's just have a drink. You know, you can't have a cheat day that lasts three months. Right. So right. for me, you remember the movie War Games? Yes, absolutely. The only winning move is not to play. So I've learned not to play. I've learned to avoid those triggers that can lead me down that path. And uh, once you know what they are and you know how to avoid them, life becomes a lot better. I love the illustration you gave about your cat with your daughter, NASA, the cat. Yep. and. The cat just knew just to walk away. Yeah. Got a four-year-old daughter. Four-year-old daughter wants to have a tea party with the cat. Cat's not all up in that shit. Cat's, uh, what, you're 17 years old. It's completely run out of anything to give. Like, just does not care. 
And uh, it's sort of like, you know what? I'm just gonna walk away. Because if I walk away and go to the other room, the cat, the the, the child will do something else. This won't escalate. You avoid those triggers before they turn into something else. So what about professionally um, when you have triggers at work? Um, for me, Slack. Using the, the app Slack, if I have my notifications on, I'm going to get distracted and I am off in left field immediately. If I have my phone next to me and it's getting notifications, I'm distracted. I'm off in left field. What is that like for ADHD? Airplane mode is not just for airplanes. Mm. See, the problem when you're ADHD, like I said, you're always on or always off. There's no middle ground. So if I get into what's called deep work, I could sit down. I've, I've written, you know, I've, I'll, I'll go to the gym. I'll be high after a skydive, whatever. <clears throat> I'll sit down. I'll write 10,000 words in 45 minutes. But if my phone rings, if I'm connected to something, if I get a notification, I lose that deep work. And it mm-hmm. takes on average 20 to 30 minutes to get back into it. So and this is not just for people with ADHD. This is for anyone. The best thing you could do. Dedicate time in your week to getting into what I call my zone of focus. Get into your zone of focus, and chances are it's not in your office. It's your mm-hmm. office, you have things like this. You have your phone. You have your phone. You have the internet. You have something shiny, right? Mm-hmm. Get out of your office. Go to your zone of focus. For me, I've written five books now. Four of them have been written entirely on airplanes. Three of them have been written on airplanes where I just took the trip to write the book. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote faster than normal going from New York to uh, Singapore and back. Um, I wrote Zombie Loyalist from New York, Tokyo, and back. I had no reason to be in Tokyo other than to write this book. I landed in Tokyo with chapters one through five written, went to the lounge, took a shower, got back on the same plane, same seat two hours later, flew back to New York, wrote chapters six through 10, landed 31 hours later with a bestseller, and I smelled, but I did it, right? <laughs> right. People think that's crazy. You spent $5,000 to go nowhere. No, I spent $5,000 to write a book in 31 hours. Hmm. So some of the techniques... Um, that you talk about in terms of getting focus. And just, I want to underscore this, if you're listening and you don't have ADHD, it's perfect because this book doesn't just address people who have it. It talks about how even some of our own natural impulses are instigated by our natural uh, chemicals that are in our brain, the serotonin, dopamine, and et cetera, that pulls us in one direction or motivates or draws us down or, or what have you. You're talking about four things uh, in particular, which I found useful, whether or not I have ADHD, it doesn't matter. They kickstart the more um, productivity and control of your brain. Rituals, exercise, eat, and simplifying your environment. Can you share a little bit about those? So the key for me is um, I do certain things. So rituals are very simple. Resolutions fail, right? I'm going to lose 20 pounds. You know, I'm going to go to the gym every single day this year. No, you're not. Right. So don't focus on that. Focus on you want to get into better shape because you like how you feel when you're in better shape. Right. So you start going to the gym once or twice a week. It's going to take time, but you create that ritual and then you like the result from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rituals are, are great like that. Uh, the um, the concept behind rituals is very simple in that it's. If you if you put something into a huge uh, if it's a huge goal, it's much, much harder to accomplish. But. The question of how do you eat an elephant, and the answer is one bite at a time. Bite by bite, you can get to where you need to be. Exercise is the same way for me. The, the amount of chemicals that your body will create in a 20-minute workout, in a 40-minute workout, in a 60-minute workout um, is unsurpassed. Mm-hmm. I won't go into a meeting without sitting down and uh, – or without getting up and walking up a few flights of stairs first or dropping some push-ups or something. Um, I keep my meetings short. I try to keep them you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes max, knowing that 
um, we'll get everything accomplished. I, I don't take meetings in the middle of the day anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a half an hour to get half an hour to get ready, half an hour to get there, half an hour for the meeting, half an hour to get back. That's two and a half hours. I've lost out of my day for 30 minutes of content. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you really need to be very, very aware of yourself. What were some of the other ones? Uh, I, I, didn't write them down. The eating and then simplifying your environment. So eating is very simple. Eat crap, you'll be crap. Um, I once I started putting good food in my body, a lot of protein, a lot, lot less processed carbs. Essentially, if it if it's, I'll eat it if there's not a commercial about it. Is like one of the best ways of putting it, right? <laughs> and that right. doesn't mean I'm perfect. You know, I'm, I'm going to blow it every once in a while. I had to think of Ben and Jerry's a couple of nights ago. It happens, but you get to the point where you know what works for you and what doesn't. And then um. Simplification is probably my best. I have two sides to my closet. I have this giant closet in my New York City apartment, which is huge because like no one has a giant closet in New York City. But I only use about a quarter of it. It's uh, the left side of it. I, I label it. That's how pathetic I am. The left side of my closet says um, says uh, office and uh, travel, office and travel, office slash travel, and it's t-shirts and jeans. The right side says um, speaking slash TV, and it's button-down shirts, jackets, and jeans. When I know what my schedule is in the morning, I ask my I ask Alexa what's my schedule. She tells me. I know which side of my closet to go to. If I had, if I had, you know, my suits and all that stuff are kept in another closet, in another room. So if I had to go into my vest, wow, let's let's look at that. I remember that vest. Laura gave me that vest. I wonder how Laura's doing. I should look her. It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room on Facebook, and I haven't left the house. Mm-hmm. Right. So you mm-hmm. want to do things that get you to. You want to. You want to use your brain power on things that actually matter. I sleep in my gym clothes. When when I wake up in the morning, I don't have to think about. Oh, should I go get to the gym? I'm dressed, dude. Go to the gym. You're dressed. And it was funny. Uh, I, I actually cracked up when I uh, read that part uh, in the book where you were saying some you had some uh, a new lady friend, and we, you just, she said, "What are you doing?" And you said, "Oh, I'm getting changed in my gym clothes." She goes, "Excuse me." <laughs> so eliminating yeah, your works. choices isn't that like the Steve Jobs technique? Is he just wore the same clothes? Yeah. Obama has three suits. Zuckerberg has the sweatshirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said this statement, correct me, uh, live, live your life 30 minutes early. Yeah. Live your life 10 minutes in the future. Can you unpack that? The basic premise is that, um, ask yourself how, what you're doing exactly right now is going to affect you in 10 minutes. All right. And then 10 minutes after that, and then 10 minutes after that, you know, that's what takes me from, keeps me from taking that first drink. That's what keeps me from, uh, you know, uh, ordering that pizza. It's, you know, how am I going to feel in the morning? It, it was a key. So keeps me from hitting snooze and not going to the gym. Mm. Right. It's four, it's three forty-five right now. My alarm just three forty-five in the morning. My alarm just went off. If I hit snooze and don't go to the gym, how am I going to feel an hour from now? And I feel two hours from now when I wake up, I'm going to feel 12 hours from now when I'm home. Mm. Was I productive today? Did I do anything? You know, and 90% of the time that'll come back as a negative. When, when did you realize all of these different components to your own personal when did I start doing them? Probably junior high school. When did I realize that why I was doing them and what they all were and how they were connected? October 29, 2015. October 29, 2015, at 3 in the morning, I was hungover. I wasn't hungover, but I was puffy. I was feeling gross. I was, I was greasy. I was jet lagged, which I never get. And I went to the mirror and realized, I looked in the mirror and I realized I did not recognize the person looking back at me. I realized that I was doing all the things that I thought were crazy, that people told me were crazy, I stopped doing. But turns out those were the things that were actually saving me. And I realized that I needed to get back to the person who I was. And the only way I could do that was to focus on me. And that next morning, I started working out again. I quit drinking. I started going to the gym every single day. And that's where I am right now. And it, it, mm-hmm. it basically, you get to the point where you realize you can't control other people's actions. You can only control your reactions to those, to those actions. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I want to be the best I can for myself. I want to be the best I can for my daughter. 
I can't do that unless I'm taking care of myself. And, you know, learning to do that is how I've, I've gotten back into this. And what I realized is that all the things I've ever done, skydiving, Ironman triathlons, marathons, public speaking, I do it all because it's all about um, uh, pushing for that dopamine. I just didn't realize it at the time. Mm. But, you know, everything I do ties into everything else I do, and it makes perfect sense why. And, you know, there's an element that you talked about in your book that just listening to you, I can kind of hear it come out. Um, I wanted to do a live conference, and I was telling my wife, I'm, I'm going to do this event, I'm, I'm going to do this event, I'm going to do this event. And finally, just she just said, set a date. Yep. And when you Soon run a marathon, right, when you set, when you have a speech, like you are time constrained and all of a sudden you're amazed at the creativity or productivity that you can create. You said that in the book, something about deadlines are your friends. Soon is not an actuality. Mm. If you tell, if you tell yourself you're going to do something soon, you will not do it. You have to put a date to it. The second you put a date to it, the second you, you spend money to put a date to it, whatever the case, it becomes an actuality. You know, I tell people if they want me to give them something, the worst possible thing they can do is tell me to get to them whenever I have time, because I will start working on it immediately. And then I will not, then as soon as someone gives me something else to do, that'll become the most pressing thing. Give me a date, give me a deadline. Let me just pause for a second to say this. There is one trait that you will find in every successful leader, no matter their industry, no matter their role. And that trait is action. And we want to inspire ambitious leaders like you to bet on yourself and take action on those audacious goals that you see in your heart. That's why we created our 90 day accelerator. It's a results driven battle tested framework designed specifically for high-performing leaders like you to get unstuck and propel you towards your goals. And in just 90 days, you won't even recognize the person you used to be. To be a part of this elite community, go to evolveleadership.org. Now, back to the show. I'm guilty. I just texted a friend of mine yesterday. We should get together soon. Uh, damn it. I got to put it. <laughs> got to set a date. Well, it um, also makes you realize how much crap you actually don't want to do. Right? Um, if people want to meet with me now, I let them meet with me. You can meet with me at six in the morning. You can meet with me for a Peloton class, a flywheel class. You can meet with me for uh, a cryotherapy session or an early morning run or a workout or I'll have coffee with you at 5 a.m. But I'm not going to sit there at two in the afternoon and have you come over to my office and chill for an hour. Mm -hmm. That's an accomplishment thing. That gets rid of 95% of the people that want to meet with me. Mm. Those 5% that actually take that challenge are usually well worth meeting. You talk about in the book an element of clutter. Um, I've always thought of my life as a series of organized stacks. <laughs> and I'm slowly learning that my organized stacks are killing me. That part of the book really addressed me. And you can't see the full wholeness on our Skype call of my office, but down below at my feet, it's, it's, a, it's a rat nest. Can you talk about that element of uh, how clutter is just a distraction waiting to happen? The basic premise is that if I have a pile of stuff here, it will catch my eye and I'll want to clean it up. When I start cleaning it up, I'll start looking at it. Oh, wow. I remember that. I wonder what they're doing. There's my day. It doesn't work like that. You have to maintain some order. 
the, there are certain people in the world who can handle order within chaos. I think they're amazing. I don't know how to do that. Um, most people at age, you don't know how to do that. And, and if I can't have a clean place, if I can't make sure it's perfect, um, I'll go somewhere else to work. It's kind of like, well, you have a kid, um, your daughter, did you ever read her the books? They're similar. Um, if you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. It's like, if you give someone a clutter mm-hmm. and all the, yeah, that, that's a book idea now for the business corporate world. That's okay, your, right that's your that. next book. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you also, uh, talk about organizational tools, both digital tools and then even your Scotty vest, which, um, I cracked up. Great plug for Scotty Vest. Uh, Scott was on the show, episode 15, Scott Jordan. Great, great interview. Um, can you talk about some of the tools of productivity that have helped you be super effective? And you don't have to go through the whole list. I know you listed a ton of them in the book. Yeah, I mean, the most basics are things like OmWriter. It's an on, it's an app that shuts down all your alerts and just produces a white screen to let you focus. How do you spell write. that? O-M-M writer, W-R-I-T-E-R. You know, whatever your ecosystem is, use it. Like the Google Google ecosystem for me works. So I'm not going to go and use like, you know, Evernote or something like that because I live in Google. So I use Google Keep. I use Google Calendar. I use the things that talk to each other. I have uh, real world things that operate on Internet of Things. So my lights start coming on at 345 in the morning. Um, by the time my alarm goes off at 4 a.m., there's light in the apartment. And it's, 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 I don't have to worry about going back to sleep. Um, it's hard to go back to sleep when there's tons of light in your apartment, you know, things like that, things that I can use to, um, to just organize my life a little better. Alexa, Amazon Echo, Google home, things like that are, are tremendous, uh, of not just not having to think about things, just having things automated, you know, all my lighting, like I said, all my lighting, my, my locks, my apartment, everything. Um, the less I have to think about the less choices I have to make due to the automation, the better off I am. So you, you mentioned that earlier in the interview about using Alexa for your schedule. How how do you do that? That it just Alexa, that Alexa will just Google. read it back to you. Yeah, you just uh, connect Alexa to your Google Calendar and say, Alexa, what's my schedule? Love it. Oh my gosh! And um, so think about doing that when I'm in the shower. That's one less thing I have to worry about. I'm not, not going to talk to Alexa exactly. while I'm in the shower, Peter. You get a little, little <laughs> you get Alexa dot sits in your bathroom. <laughs> Is it waterproof? <laughs> That's about the only thing I talk to when I'm in my shower. I don't have anyone else. <laughs> You could sing to yourself. There you go. Um, so I want to kind of take this into something a little more actionable. Somebody's listening here. Uh, you're in your car. You are in your office. You are on a walk. Maybe even awesome. You're at the gym. What are some things that we can talk to this person um, about feeling the weight of the chaos around them? What are some initial steps that they can take right now? The first thing I'd say is figure out um, what things you can eliminate from your choices, right? What choices can you eliminate from your life? That could be dumping him. You know, minimalization is key. Can you dump half of the amount of crap you have in your closets? Can you donate it to charity? Can you get rid of it? Um, your best bet is to hire someone who can do that for you. Because if you do it, you're going to sit there forever and just stare at the stuff. Get rid of as much crap as you can. The, the, the freedom of having space is just the greatest feeling in the world. Um, can you arrange your schedule so you only have meetings on certain days, right? Can you clean out your inbox? You know, can you eliminate the clutter in your office? Can you find a special zone of focus place where you can work? Things like that. Those are the kind of things you want to do. For the people that are around you, um, that you recognize, um, just in observations, like what are some of the things that Somebody does something, says something, or acts in a certain way, and you don't necessarily non-verbally give them this, but inside you cringe 
and you're like, oh my gosh, you are totally wasting your time or energy or emotion. Like, what are some things you've noticed just recently? I realize in some way there, again, it goes back to the fact that you could change what you could change and you can't otherwise. There are things that I can change or things I can't change. I focus on the ones that I can and the things I can control. Um, you know, I can control what food I put in my mouth, right? I might not control. And then and from there, that might lead me to be able to control that I can run a little faster. I've been working out hardcore for the past few months. I bought a Peloton bike. That bike has changed my life because I can work out at four in the morning now without, before my daughter wakes up. I, I'm a single dad. So my daughter like three, three days a week and or four days a week on the days that I have my daughter, I can now work out. I don't, you know, and because I've worked out, that started that train of my day on the days that I don't, you know, I used to have her, I wouldn't work out. Then I'd be like, ah, well, what the hell, I might as well just make some crappy breakfast anyway because I haven't worked out. No, there's no excuse now. I'm up four in the morning on the bike. So, you know, again, being able to do that stuff first and foremost um, is key. And so I get that done. Um, you know, what can you do first thing that starts these sort of processes that goes throughout your entire day and that keeps you on that train? Mm-hmm. Your daughter, as a good father, what are you doing? What techniques are you using to instill, to mentor, to guide and lead your daughter in some of these principles? I keep uh, my devices away. When I'm with her, I am all about her. Um, I do not have devices when I'm with her. I make sure that we are doing things. I'm asking questions. That's the number one thing. You know, when she's playing, She's playing last night with Peppa Pig and all her little action figures, dolls. Or Jessa, why is Peppa sitting in the front seat this time? Can Peppa drive? Yes, Daddy, she could drive. Okay, but isn't Peppa like seven? Yes, but she can drive in her world. Okay, good. I want you know asking these questions, getting these kids involved. I ask her to help me do things all the time. Helping, asking her to help me is is massive. Um, you know, she got upset because apparently I made the bagel wrong. I didn't, I'm 45 years old. I didn't think I made a bagel wrong. But when she told me that I made the bagel, I said, Okay, Jess, you know, let, let's make the next bagel together. You can help me make it right and. You know, it's just learning from the kids. You can learn so much from kids, too. I mean, the kid's four years old, and she's teaching me stuff every day. It's great. Yeah. This is an element where I think parenting in perspective, this is just fantastic. I mean, amongst other things. But good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, that's a great skydiving quote, too. Um, I guarantee you that if I am skydiving a certain way and I manage to crash into a tree sometime because of something I did, I'm not going to do that again. So it, you know... The bad judgment, as long I don't consider myself having failed in anything, as long as I've learned something from my mistakes, I don't consider that a failure, mm-hmm. right? I've either I've either won or I've learned. Yeah. So what can you do to make sure that that the mistakes you do make, which you're going to make plenty of them because they're human beings, what can you do on those mistakes to to learn from, and then it's not a failure, and that's how you get good experience. I've also um, I'm a big believer in believing my listening to my instincts. The only time I've ever really screwed up in my life is when I haven't listened to my instincts. Mm. What's been one of your most major learning opportunities in the last few years? I've worked a tremendous amount on not letting people take up space in my head rent free. Hmm. I used to care about, you know, I could have 10,000 positive reviews and one negative one, and that negative one would stick with me forever. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to stop giving a shit. You know, I care about the people I care about. I'm thrilled when people give me valuable critiques because I can learn from it. But, you know, I, just, I don't listen to the haters anymore, and it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Frees up a lot of time. Especially in, in our world. Uh, no question about it. It's hard to be in a world where people can't just inherently celebrate one another, yep. regardless of where they're at. I feel so you. true. 
Um, what's next? Well, the book is kind of important. I'm really excited about it. I'm also, I also run a mastermind group called Shank Minds. We have about 200 people in there and it's primarily an accountability group. We help each other out and everything from entrepreneurship to getting up early to go exercise. It's really good group of people. I love them. I love every single one of our members. Um, doing a lot of corporate keynote speaking, having a lot of fun. Um, always looking for new ideas. I'm an angel investor, always looking for new investments. Um, having a good time. That's oh, fantastic. I'm really excited about the launch. I think that out of all five books that I've written, this is the one that's going to help people the most. It's going to change lives. I wish it had a little bit more of your humor into it because you're a funny guy. Um, you're a l- little less uh, funny in this. Not that you weren't but funny, but... Um, what I love about this book is that I'm real. I'm the most real. That's what I was going to say. Raw and open and honest. Yeah. And, you know, the the funny part was that... I, I mean, what I love about it is I get, I get phone calls from and emails from parents. Like, hey, I, I played my kid your podcast and he realized that he's not broken for the first time in his life. And I'm like, mm-hmm. shit, that's massive. The funny part for me, though, was they, they actually asked me to do the uh, audio recording of the book. I did the audio recording, and uh, I thought, "Oh, this will be fun. I'll get to record my voice." You have to say every single word. Like you can't, yeah. you can't deviate from the script by one word or one syllable, and you have to say it really slowly. And it was three and a half days of complete and utter hell. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and then we went to the thing. And I sounded like the guys from NPR talking really close to the microphone. Oh my god, it was hell. <laughs> and you know, I also like the the part in there that which basically, uh, and a friend of mine gave some great illustration she has cancer and she gave this whole blog post about how to talk to someone who has a life-threatening disease like that and all the you know ways to eliminate discomfort and stupidity in those conversations and you kind of did the same as when you're contending with someone who has adhd different ways to approach them and talk to them that's the thing it's like you know at the end of the day we have a faster brain it doesn't we're not contagious we're not going to kill you um, you know, but we, we do have to do certain things differently because that's how we work. Once you accept that and let us do that, you'd be amazed how great we can, how, how much great stuff we can do. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you, how can they go about doing so? Yeah, my life's at shankman.com and I'm at Peter Shankman on all the socials. And let me leave you with this listener. Embrace your differences. Know that what makes you different is what makes you great. Embrace it. Wrap yourself in it like armor. Use it to your advantage every step of your way and own it. Once you do that, you'll recognize that your biggest weakness has been your greatest gift all along, and you'll be able to truly utilize all of your wonderful speed. Once you do this, no one will be able to use your differences against you ever again. God, who said that? Peter Shankman. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, man. My pleasure, Hank. As we wrap up another episode of Evolve Leadership, thank you so much for taking time to invest in you. If there's to be any sustainable growth in your company or even in your relationships, you must grow first. And it's what I love to do for leaders, to help them grow, to challenge their thinking, sharpen self-awareness, to instill an unshakable confidence, and ultimately upgrade their sense of self. And we do this through our proprietary method called Agile EQ+ where we're leveraging agile leadership and emotional intelligence. We provide our signature training for individuals and for businesses, we've designed a unique curriculum for company-wide learning and development. If you'd like to learn more about our training or to schedule a call, you can simply go to evolveleadership.org. And until next time, stay driven, keep climbing, and never stop evolving.